said, it's good to see everybody. Campuses, it's so good to see you as well. My name is Jonathan Murley, and I'm the Global Missions Pastor here at JFC. And uh, missions is just booming at JFC. There's so many things going on in regards to missions. Uh, just a quick update, we are taking our young adults to Costa Rica the day after Christmas Day. It's on December 26th, so we're really excited about that. We have our kids who are going to be going to Peru in March, 9, 10, and 11-year-olds, as well as their parent or parents that are going to Peru. And then we have a medical team. I see a couple people who are, are here for that. We're taking a medical team to Kenya. So things are just going really, really good. And I'm really excited this weekend that we have Bob and Kathleen Gableman from Victorious Christian Harvesters, and they have a ministry into Mexico uh, Cuba and El Salvador. So guys, we're so excited to have you here this weekend. Just as a reminder, about on a quarterly basis, we have our missionaries in to strengthen the connection with us to them and, and them to us. So that's what we're doing this weekend. So guys, it's so good. And congratulations are in order because you all have a new grandbaby, right? Amen. Terrific. We have a one-month-old Josiah Boone Gableman who's living in our home. Congratulations. <laughs> with the parents. Yeah, with the parents. It's good. So, uh, so uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into missions and, and your call to missions. Soul winning's always been a part of our lives from, yeah. from the time we were saved 33 and 35 years ago. And in 1998, between 1998 and 2002, we brought four junior high youth groups from, from Resurrection Fellowship in Loveland yeah. down to Mexico to work with David and Donna Blanchard and Victorious Christian Harvesters. It was shortly after that, things began to be set in motion um, for us to move down there. And, and we ended up um, driving into Laredo, Texas on February 2nd of 2004. And we, we've been working with David and Donna now for nine years. Um, and and it's, just, it's just been blessed. It's been a fun ride. Yes, it? amen. Good. So tell us about the, the people of Mexico, Cuba, and El Salvador. People of, uh, in Latin America, they're, they're, they're very warm-hearted. They're, they're people people. And, and rather than being task-oriented, they, they love people. And, and they're very open to the gospel message. There's such a respect to, to the gospel. The one issue we have to work through is the religious aspect. That yep. they, they see um, contact with God through religious observances and things like that. But they're open for us to begin to share, share God's love and to direct them into a, a personal relationship with Christ. So in May, Bob went to Cuba and they have a ministry, wonderful ministry into Cuba. And you got a fun story to kind of tell us about that. Yeah, we were in Cuba um, to, to equip the churches we work with there. We have about 120 churches, and, and we, we went to, to train them and equip them in effective evangelism methods. And we were in the city of Camagüey on the east side of the island, and we, we were teaching the leaders, um, our leaders, one morning. And after a two-hour session, the, the interior of the ministry showed up to arrest us. And, and so over the next two days, we spent about four hours in, in interrogations being threatened. We were going to be thrown in prison for, for preaching in an illegal church, um, being called liars. And, and it's essentially, things seem pretty tough. Uh, but God's presence and the Holy Spirit's uh, just peace, that, that, that peace that passes understanding yeah. was there in the midst of that. And, and at one point, God's love for these, these men, the colonel and another officer who were interrogating me, just rose up with the, in me to a point where I had to tell them, right now my only interest is, is your eternal des destiny. Yeah. Where will you spend eternity, in heaven or hell? And I took that opportunity to share the gospel message with them. Before we, we left that day, I asked them if I could pray over them. I prayed one of those long pastoral prayers over them, their family. 
and blessing for blessing. Yeah. And then they unceremoniously asked us to leave, to leave the country. Um, <laughs> we spent four days in Havana before we could catch a flight out. But in those four days, we were under house arrest, but they permitted us to go tour the city. So we went out and witnessed to people on the streets and saw 28 <laughs> people come to Christ. So you followed their rules, right? <laughs> they gave us permission. <laughs> That's great. So tell us, uh, tell us about VCH and, and in particular the focus on souls. The, the, the vision of v Victorious Christian Harvesters is one million Bibles for one million souls. And over 20 years ago, David ha had a vision in prayer. And he saw that the whole nation covered with a wave. And as the wave receded from the nation, it left Bibles all over the, over the, the nation with, with golden crosses on them. And God told David, get one million Bibles for one million souls. And, and that's what everything we do is focused on that purpose. And so in a little over 20 years, we, we have seen almost 650,000 people come to Christ um, um, through the ministries and the work that we're doing there. It's amazing. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful focus. We actually had the opportunity this, uh, this past summer uh, to take our junior hires down. We didn't cross into Mexico. We actually stayed in, in the United States. But um, we've even seen that uh, 18 years ago when Pastor John and I took, uh, took a team from, from Resurrection Fellowship down there. So it's an amazing ministry. Amen. We actually have some pictures and, and, uh, and a video. So guys, if you can roll that, please. <laughs>
was some neat images. Yeah. And actually, a real special song. Uh, Bob and Kathleen's son wrote that song. So, um, so 600,000 plus, plus souls. What does the future hold? Where are you guys going? In the last three years, we've developed a ministry where we're um, inviting anywhere from 40 to 70 churches in a, in a city and, and bringing them together and training them. We call it invasions. And for three days, we equip them in effective evangelistic methods. And then for three days, we work with them in, in their cities to reach the lost. This, this year alone, we've seen over 46,000 people come to Christ in seven of yeah. the, these invasions. Um, so in the future, we're going to continue with that. Next year, we plan on being in, in Mexico City, the city of 27 million people. Guadalajara and, 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 and Monterrey, both are cities of about 7 million people, as, along with a number of other cities in Mexico. Um, in the future, in 2014, we've been invited to go to Argentina. And, and so we're planning to go there in January of 2014. We've also been invited to come to Chile, and that's still out there in the in the forefront. Stages, so so yeah. we continue to train and equip the, 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 the nationals. Um, and, and our goal, Kathleen and my goal, for the next six or seven years, we expect we will, we know that we will be with serving David and Donna in that vision. Um, from day to day, our goal is to just introduce one more soul to our yeah. Savior. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, this is a, this is an effective ministry. You know, we we don't have unlimited amounts of money, so we have to invest in places where we get a good return on our investment. And this is a good return on our investment. So because of your, your faithfulness and your tithes and your offerings, we're going to send them back to the mission field financially blessed from our church. And uh, if you do want to come and, and visit with them and, and visit with us, we'll be out in the lobby at this campus. And then at uh, all the campuses, there'll be information at the Connect Row Serve table. So thank you again. We really appreciate all that, that you do. It allows us to do things here as well as all around the world. So God bless you. Thank you. Howdy, JFC. Glad that you are here on your way in. You should have been handed the notes, and if you'll grab them, we'll take a look at a brand new series we're starting called Strongholds. Uh, while you're doing that, we welcome all of our campuses, not just here at Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, those that live stream us, those that will listen later. However, you're a part of our family. We are glad that you are. Uh, it is called Strongholds. I put three things down in your notes if you'll find it right there. Uh, first and foremost, this, this series is going to deal with spiritual warfare. So I, I don't want to put any fear whatsoever. I'll say this a couple of times through the message today, but take this serious. We ended up in Ephesians 6 last week. We, we finished our, our, our series on Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 6 deals with the full armor of God. We began to talk about spiritual warfare. It was not planned to start a new series after finishing Ephesians on, uh, on strongholds and on spiritual warfare. It just happened to work out that way. But if you heard the message last week, then you heard me say, in order to effectively combat, fight the devil to win, God gives us armor that we're supposed to wear, that we're supposed to put on. When we go out and we fight without the armor, it's in effect fighting naked. And I use that picture only to describe that nobody in here would ever enter into a battle 
without their armor on. And yet how many times do we go out and daily we engage the enemy and have not put on the full armor? All right, tonight we're going to begin then going into this series talking about spiritual warfare, talking about strongholds, talking about confrontation with the enemy. Remember, you've got to put on the full armor of God. You've got to have the right mindset entering into this. Last but not least, let me just say this quickly. Um, this book right here is called Open from the Inside. The author is Bob Sorge. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him or not. Very sought after uh, speaker. We'll actually have him here the last weekend in December. We've, we've got him here and he'll be speaking. Uh, during the series, I'll refer to this book. So what we did was to buy, uh, uh, we, we thought we had bought enough in order to take care of the church and we sold out in the first message tonight. So here's, here's what we will do. Um, if you want the book, go to Connect, Serve, Grow Table. Uh, give them your name. Go ahead and purchase the book. We will go ahead and have the copies ordered and here for you next weekend. And I promise you, we'll, if you want one, we will get one uh, to you. Excellent book. You will, um, you'll get a lot out of it, especially with this series right now. Okay, under transition right there, let's talk about what a stronghold is. You may be new to the thought of spiritual warfare. Maybe you're not even a believer. Maybe you're very experienced in it. You've heard multiple messages on it. In order to give us something that is common ground, put us all in the same place so that we can move forward, let me describe to you, in my mind, uh, a definition for a stronghold. I wrote, it's the location where control and power operate from and are protected to do so. Say it one more time. It's the location where control and power operate from and are protected to do so. A stronghold can exist in many different places. You could have a stronghold in a person's mind, a mindset, either positive or negative, could be a stronghold that is in control. Uh, your heart, your heart could be an issue. Your emotions can be a place where a stronghold, either good or bad, is in control. In a physical sense, a stronghold could be a, a government. You could find a government that is used for good or for evil. The enemy loves to operate in places where governments abuse the people. Of course, God loves to be able to operate in places where a government is built on his principles. So a stronghold can be, uh, folks, you can find it in multiple places, multiple ideas and thoughts. The, the common denominator is it's the location where control and power operate from and are protected to do so. I put it this way, I thought this made some sense. Whatever controls the stronghold controls you. Whatever controls the stronghold controls you. Uh, a stronghold is not a negative or positive thing necessarily. It's what controls the stronghold that makes it negative or positive. I put down, here's two great examples of that. Psalms 18.2 reads this way. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my, what does it say? My stronghold. So here we have it being used in a positive sense that a stronghold is the place where God can operate from, where God is in control, where God is able to, to, uh, to, to work out his purposes and his plans and to bring everything into his order. All right, now here it is used in an opposite sense in a negative way. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 3 through 5, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about spiritual warfare and he addresses strongholds this way. He says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, what does it say? 
So the only reason you would demolish a stronghold then is if it was in a negative sense. Again, here's the idea of a stronghold. It's a location where control and power operate from and are protected to do so. So you could have it in a positive sense or in a negative sense. To finish that scripture, it reads this way. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So here Paul is teaching that a stronghold can be in a person's attitude, in, a, in an opinion or a thought pattern. And that's something that either is controlled by the Lord or can be controlled by the enemy. But it's the place where the location where control and power are operating from and are protected to do so. I put down, here's, here's sort of a way that I would take this tonight. When I'm talking about a stronghold, is everything in life that we face a stronghold? Absolutely not. Some things in life are struggles. Some things are strongholds. Sometimes people tend to blame the devil for everything that goes on in life. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that, but they tend to just over-focus on, on the devil's activities. I remember uh, early on in my ministry, uh, within uh, I, the first year that, that I was in ministry, uh, I was on call. And on call is just the situation where in the afternoon or in the morning, we divide our days up, morning, afternoon. One of the pastors at... Uh, all of our campuses is on call in the morning or in the afternoon. And that means they handle somebody that would walk in, somebody that would come in that would need prayer or whatever the situation is. I was on call. It was early in my ministry, very little experience, very little, you know, just green. Had a woman come in and this is what she said, uh, Pastor, would you come out and pray over my car? And I said, yes, that look. That I, No one else saw that look, but that, it went, it went like this. What? That's what I did. I thought it was a joke. And I laughed, but she didn't laugh. So I said, okay, what do you need me to pray for? And this is what she said to me. She said, um, I was transporting dogs and fleas have taken over my car. She said, I want you to come and cast the fleas out of my car. And I thought one of the pastors that I worked with was pulling a joke on me. They weren't. This woman was dead serious. So I went out. She would not leave me alone. And this is what she said to me. She said, God, God used against Egypt the plagues of frogs, flies, different. She said, this is a plague and I want you to cat. Well, she said it like, come on, don't you have any power? And I was, so in order to appease her, this is what I did. I don't know exactly what I said, but I opened the doors to the car and I said, get out or something to that effect. And it worked. It worked. She came back. Listen to this. She came back and she said, they're gone. And I brought my vacuum cleaner. And I said, what? She said, this vacuum cleaner does not work. She said, I want you to pray over it. And I did. And it worked. It worked. I cannot explain that. I do not think that the devil lives in your vacuum cleaner. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Although he has been known to take up residence in some car engines. However, this, this situation, I, I think sometimes we give the devil too much credit. We tend to look at everything that goes on in life, anything that goes wrong, well, the devil did that, or the devil's responsible for that. Sometimes uh, believers in particular tend to talk more about what the devil does than what God is doing. I think that's a terrible mistake. I think that at times we tend to assign the enemy credit 
to things that he doesn't deserve credit for. Here's a nitpicky one. I don't know if this bothers you. It bothers me. If you ever see a natural disaster, a tornado or a flood or, or whatever, an earthquake, people tend to call it an act of what? I hate that. Why don't they call it an act of the devil then? What's wrong? The Salvation Army, I love this. The Salvation Army has adopted a theme and, and listen to this theme for the new year. Combating natural disasters with acts of God. I love that. Combating natural disasters with acts of God. The thought simply is that sometimes we tend to give the devil too much credit. People tend to talk more about what they think he's doing or what he is doing than really talking about who God is and what God said and what God wants to do. So tonight I would like to teach you, before we just jump into the message, the idea of if you're going to be dealing with stuff in life, you need to be able to discern, is it a struggle or is it a stronghold? Not everything do you want to treat. The, if everything in your life is a nail, then all you need is a hammer. But not everything in life is to be dealt with that way. So let's understand what's the difference between a struggle and a stronghold. Well, I use Matthew chapter 17. You'll find it in your notes, 14 through 19 and verse 21. I actually used it in our last series. And I thought to myself, boy, there's probably not a better example in Scripture of how to draw a line between a struggle or a stronghold. It reads this way. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him. The man came to Jesus, kneeling down before Christ, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic. Now, this particular, this is the New King James Version. It's the only transla translation that uses the word epileptic. In the last series, I read it uh, from, I think it was the New International, and it said he's a lunatic. Now, you have to recognize, at this day and time, epilepsy would not be a known disease. When they translated this, because he had seizures, they insert the word epilepsy. The reason I think this is interesting right here is I don't think epilepsy is the devil. I think that epilepsy is a condition that a, a it would be a struggle as opposed to a stronghold. Let me show you the difference here in just reading it and how we decide that. So when the man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic and he suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered him and said, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the what? Okay, we're not dealing then here with a physical malady. We're not dealing with a sickness. We're dealing with the demonic. They just happened to use, they inserted the word epilepsy. So if you're sitting here tonight and you deal with epilepsy, under no circumstances am I saying you're possessed. Please understand that. It's just an unfortunate word that they inserted here. The reason we know it's not epilepsy, what he had is that the demonic would actually exercise control in his life and it, would, it was a spirit of suicide. It would cause him to throw himself into the fire or into the water to be drowned. Imagine a father having to follow his son around because every time you turn around, the guy tries to kill himself. What a, what a horrible place to be at. And so, so when it's translated, they use the word epilepsy, but it's not epilepsy. It is a demonic stronghold that he's dealing with. However, I think it points to the idea of here's clear. You could have a struggle or a stronghold and you can't treat them the same. Our son uh, you can't go to this church without knowing this about us, that our oldest son w was born and at the time of birth had a chromosome that it mutated and it caused a form of mental retardation. I cannot tell you how many well-meaning people have come up to me and said, you just need to cast the devil out of him. 
They don't mean it in a way that, that but it hurts. It hurts when someone says that because they don't understand what they're saying. We're not dealing with the demonic. We're dealing with a struggle that he had. Now, can God heal? Yes, God can heal him. But it's not a demon that's in control here. It is a physical malady that he deals with. You know, the Bible also says that we lay hands on people. And I wanted to do that with those who wanted to cast the devil out of him. That's another story for another time. Jesus finishes this conversation this way. How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Except by prayer and fasting. Okay, I put below that a struggle, how to handle a struggle. While we're talking tonight, some of you may begin to hear the Holy Spirit right now. Here's what I pray happens. I pray that as the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to you and reveal to you whether or not it's a stronghold or a struggle in your life, you would not hear me, you'd hear God. You'd hear God begin to speak to you about whether or not there's something in your life that he would want to deliver you from. Here's, here's truth. The very first time that Jesus stood up to do public ministry, he stands up in the synagogue. He un, unfolds the scripture. He's reading from Isaiah. And he reads these words in Luke chapter 4. It's recorded, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty the captive. Part of the work of God is that he's a deliverer. Do you believe that? Yes. Delivery is not somehow in church, we've turned it into this weird, spooky, uh, sort of like, you know, smoke and, and a tingling sensation. And I knew I was delivered. That's delivery should be as normal and as natural as breathing. God is a deliverer and he sets us free in our lives. He doesn't want anything to hold us captive. He doesn't want anything to take control of our lives other than him. Nothing else deserves that place but him. So when we deal, we're listening, what's a struggle? What's a stronghold? Well, if it's a struggle, here's how you handle it. Number one, you expose a struggle. What do I mean by that? Here's what this man did. He came and he said, help me. He went to the disciples first and he said, I can't do anything about this. I need help. And then he went to Christ and said, your disciples can't do anything about this. Can you help me? How many times do we struggle with issues and we never ask for help? I can't tell you as a pastor how frustrating it is to have people come and say, we're getting a divorce because they never said before that time, help us in our marriage. Help us. When you're struggling with something, I don't know what it is about bringing it to the light. Larry, you, you as the counselor of our church know this. You, you know this to be true. That when we bring things to the light, I, I would say instantaneously, it cuts the power of the enemy from interfering in that area. I don't know what it is about the darkness and isolation that the enemy loves. But he loves dark places. He loves secrets, doesn't he? He loves, he loves it when, when God's light isn't exposed to it. But when we bring things to the light, it cuts the enemy's ability instantaneously. And I would tell you, if you struggle with something, literally humble yourself and come and ask, help me. Expose it. Bring it to the light. I think that that's just one, folks, that, 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 that one shouldn't be a hard one. The second one then is to command. The Bible tells us that we have authority in Jesus' name. In this situation right here, we are not commanding the demonic, but we're taking authority over life. 
Here's what God said from the very beginning in Genesis. Go forth and conquer. We are not to sit and take things. We're not to amend our lives for what happens around us. We are supposed to be on the offensive saying, here's the way it's supposed to be. When Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to engage God, know what it looks like there, and then bring it here. That's our job. I've said it this way. Your job's not to get yourself to heaven. It's to bring heaven to earth. You're, you're to know what it looks like there and what God's will is, and you're to bring it here. We are, not, we are supposed to take authority. Do you believe that? Last but not least, that if it's a struggle, how do you handle it? Expose it, use authority, self-control. If it's a struggle, then you can use the idea God gives you a weapon of self-control. All right, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, mercy, gentleness, and self-control. You ever thought about the fact that God gives self? How about this? Some spiritual warfare is simply done by doing the opposite of what the devil wants you to do. Try over here to this holy group of people right here. Listen to this. Some spiritual warfare is as simple as doing the opposite of what the devil wants you to do. When you don't agree with him, when you don't go along with him, when you don't submit to him, Paul wrote it this way. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The idea of self-control, when it's a struggle, self-control works. When it's a stronghold, self-control won't help you. Did you hear that? When it's a spiritual issue, then self-control is not the answer. Put down then below that a stronghold. What do you do if you recognize a stronghold in your life? Well, first and foremost, you are mighty in God. His power is your power. If it's a spiritual issue, you don't go to fight the devil with your power. You've got to fight with God's power. Please say amen to that one right there. You don't fight the devil with your power. You fight the enemy with God's power. Put on the full armor of God. We never go out of our own accord, in our own authority, in our own power to take on the enemy. If you do that, you'll be slaughtered. You go out in the authority that God gives you. There's no other name given by which men can be saved. That name has authority. That name has power. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. We take authority over everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. We tear down the strongholds that rise themselves up using God's authority. You got a stronghold in your life. The first thing that you do is you recognize you're mighty in God. You're not mighty in yourself. You've got to use God's power, his authority. The second one, Jesus said this, listen, fast and pray. I got the same reaction in the last service. <laughs> if I did, I, this is, I, I know it's facetious. I, I, I get it. But just if I did tonight, okay, those of you who want prayer for financial blessing in your life, you want God to increase you, line up on my left, your right. Those of you who want prayer to fast and pray for the next two weeks, line up on my right, your left. Which one do you think will get the best result tonight? <laughs> I, it's a no-brainer, of course. I get it. I understand it. But here, here's, the, here's the thought. How many things is the enemy running loose? How many things are we losing the battle over? And then Jesus gives us a key. This kind is only dealt with by prayer and fasting. We hear those words, and for some reason we tend to think, I, they don't apply to me. 
I don't have to do them. I don't, I don't, I don't need to do that. I, when it comes to the idea of suffering or having to go through difficulty, I, I think our thought is, as long as it doesn't hurt me, I'll do it. I'm not quite sure that that's, that's the gospel. I'm not quite sure that that's the idea. Here, Jesus is saying this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Some things in our life, some spiritual issues are only dealt with through spiritual answers. Prayer and fasting. Last but not least, how do you deal with a stronghold? Mighty in God, his authority, fast and pray. There has to be a transition of power. Let me explain this. Now, folks, I want you to listen to me. Intentionally, intentionally kept this front end as quick as possible so that we could have a ministry time. I want to give God a chance that if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and you go, there's a stronghold in my life and I would like it dealt with tonight. Here's what I believe. You don't have to leave here the way you walked in here. That you can leave here with Christ delivering you. The Bible says clearly everything against us was nailed to the cross of Christ and has been taken out of the way. Anything that we're dealing with in the stronghold, here's our option tonight is we don't have to put up with it. You don't have to live with it. Jesus is a deliverer. He is a deliverer. And I believe that God will deliver people tonight. Let me talk to you quickly about a transition of power. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Here's what Jesus taught when it comes to the idea of spiritual warfare. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest, does not find it. Then it says to itself, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and they live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first or the beginning condition. Let me use this thought. Have you ever known someone who has gone, sought God out for deliverance over an issue, seen it happen in their life, but then seemingly come back after a period of time and the present condition is far worse than even when they began. What happened there? So I would submit to you, don't think of a stronghold as a demon-possessed person. Think of a stronghold in the terms of it's the place where the enemy can operate control. What is, a stronghold is an area that you can't win in. A stronghold is an area where you constantly find failure in. A stronghold is an area where the enemy is operating with his power and he is able to keep you in check or keep you from being able to move forward and to win in a situation. When you look at it from a spiritual perspective, Jesus teaches that when we tear down a stronghold, okay, we're taking the enemy from that stronghold and we're casting him out. We're saying you don't belong here. But then he points this out. When we do that, that's only half of the battle. Something has to take the place of where the enemy left. Otherwise, the enemy will always try to come back and see if he can't. How many of you know the devil's not going, just because you say boo, he is not going to just give up and go. He's going, you, the authority of God is he must bow his knee, but he will try to come back. He will all, your job is to always maintain the victory of what Jesus has done for us. Your job is to stand in that place and to keep the enemy at bay. So the Holy Spirit's got to move into that place where the devil is vacated. Your job is to make sure, God, I'm submitted to you. God, I'm open to you. If we pray for deliverance and then we don't put on the armor, we don't enforce, we don't fight, 
It's in, it's in effect saying, enemy, here I am. Well, I don't like that. Take it up with the author. I didn't write it. If I were to say to you tonight that if you find a stronghold in your life, you find an area, I, I said in the last service it would look like this. When you find a stronghold, you'll find people who have promised God over and over, I won't do it again. I won't do it again. I won't. Sound familiar at all? I promise. You mean it. But if you find yourself ineffectual in being able to do anything about it, maybe it's not a struggle. Maybe it's a stronghold. So that if we deal with it tonight, I'm going to say it again. I, I would be, <laughs> I would be not doing you any favor to say God will deliver you and then just treat it casually. God will deliver you and then you've got to put your armor on. God will set you free, but then you've got to take a stand. Ephesians 5 ends with having done all to stand. Chapter 6 then begins with that sentence, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, Stand therefore. If we go tonight and we do spiritual warfare, then your job is you've got to take a stand. Does that make sense? If not, what happens? The end condition will be worse than the beginning condition. The enemy would, would love to take opportunity to come and... St- Maybe that's the best way to say it. God will give to you tonight deliverance. The devil will come to steal whatever you don't protect. Jesus said it this way, whenever the seed is given, the devil comes immediately to steal the good seed. I'm giving you seed right now. What will you do with the seed? If you don't protect it, if you don't put it away, if you don't say that's mine and bury it, hold on to it, grab it, take it as yours. Make sure that I've got plenty of time. So I said it this way. Um, We had a rash of burglaries on our street because people were leaving their garage door open. And I remember turning on the news one night and only two or three houses up for me, Nine News is interviewing a person whose, whose house was broken into. And, and I, knew, I knew the neighbor and they're interviewing the neighbor and this is just simply how it went. There's a rash of burglaries in this neighborhood on this particular street. They've had two or three houses broken into. Uh, what happened? And then they interview the neighbor. Uh, we left the garage up last night. While we were sleeping, a thief came through. The, and they're mad. They follow me here for a minute. I get why they're mad. Tell me whose fault it was. People get mad because a thief steals. That's what thieves do. When we go to certain parts of the world, there's certain parts of Denver that you go into. You don't take your wallet, walk around with it. Hey, look at my wallet. You put it away. You protect it. There are certain places we go where we know, even in Israel, we know pickpockets are in this place. I will tell people there, take your wallet out of your back pocket, put it in your front pocket, put your hand. I even had a kid with my hand on my wallet, my front pocket, reach his hand in here. With my hand in my pocket, brazen. 
What kind of a kid is that? A brazen thief, which comes nowhere near the thief that you deal with as an enemy. He will steal, he will rob, he will kill, he will destroy without any remorse whatsoever. To think any other way is complete foolishness. So that Jesus teaches when seed is given, the devil comes how quickly? Immediately to steal that seed. While I'm teaching right now, the enemy is here to say to you, don't believe that. God really won't do that. Oh, this isn't that way. He's building it. No. What's about to happen is that God will deliver you, protect it, reinforce it, or the end condition of the person is worse. So do I say that for your benefit or mine? Yours. Completely yours. All right. Um, this book that I talked about, just close with this. The premise of the book simply, when he writes the title, Open from the Inside, Second uh, Samuel. He deals with uh, a story out of David's life that goes like this. Uh, David, when he went to establish Jerusalem, uh, the city of David was the place that David was going to, uh, was going to take and occupy for God and the enemy had a stronghold there. And this is what it said. David was unable to break through the stronghold. David was used to doing battle by coming directly at something and hitting it as hard as he could. He was used to pulling his sword out. He was used to, he, David was a physical fighter. He was used to doing things physically. He came across a stronghold that physical power was, was not enough. Was, it, it didn't work in this case. So David, David did this. He, he went to his men and he said, any one of you that can figure out how to get inside of this stronghold, I will make the general because anyone that's that smart deserves to be in command. What we're doing, what we've always done isn't working. We can't take this stronghold going at it directly. So we, we need for God to show us. And any one of you that can figure out how to get in the stronghold, I'll make the commander. So the Bible says that one of David's Mighty men was a man named Joab, J-O-A-B, Joab. Joab, Joab, the Bible says, found a water tunnel. And in pitch darkness, climbed up the sheer face of a rock, not being able to see anything in front of him, not being able to see what was around him, not knowing what was on the other side. He had to go underwater, up rock, had to crawl. It was an amazing story. Here's what happens. Joab ends up infiltrating the city of David where the enemy had his stronghold. He comes up in the middle of it. And while the enemy is asleep, he comes in, opens the gates, and allows all of David's mighty men to come in and take the city. It's a, it's a tremendous understanding of spiritual warfare. And I would just relate it this way. Some things in your life are not going to be dealt with with your power coming up against it, yelling at it, hitting it, screaming, trying with your might to fight something. Some things you're going to have to be led by the Holy Spirit how to infiltrate it. And it may be dark, and it may be difficult, and it may take all the faith that you have. And in fact, some of the series that we'll teach on is how to hear God when everything else around you is so dark. How, how to be led by God. How to be able to, to have the Holy Spirit take you into places that nobody else knows. 
But the bottom line is David's men were able to do this. They were led into a new kind of warfare. So I would submit to you tonight that maybe what is going on in your life, maybe what you're hearing right now, you've tried for a long time to be successful overcoming something. You haven't been able to overcome it. What if God is saying to you tonight, you've got to get my wisdom on how to handle this stronghold in your life. The Holy Spirit's got to lead you. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to take you to a place where I'll, I'll show you how to do it, but it's not going to be done the way you've always done it. It's not going to be done with your power or your ability. It's going to be done with my power and my ability. If I were to say to you tonight, that God, God is speaking to you and God's calling you, and if you want it to be delivered, he'll deliver you tonight, would you take the opportunity? I was surprised at my response in the last service. I knew that a lot of people would say, yeah, to that, I, I was just, I think, overwhelmed what the Holy Spirit did. It raised my faith. Now I've got expectation for all nine services this weekend. I would love, I would love to have people delivered left and right from fill in the blank. The word that I got in the last service, I just put down addictions. Addictions are one of those things, man, it can hold on to you. Rather than, rather than talk about two or three things that would just cut down so many people from going, okay, God wants to deliver me. If I name what I think God wants to deliver people from, it, it will only hit a few people. But if I leave it open for you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there a stronghold in your life that God wants to deliver you from? Man, maybe it could open it up for a lot of people to come into the kingdom. I think what I would do is just end this the way I did last time and just come before God right now and let the Holy Spirit speak and then we'll act on what the Holy Spirit tells us. When I got done with the last service, Pastor Dan came in and he said, John, God, God gave me a word this week about being a vertical church or a horizontal church. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, if we're a horizontal church, he said, we do things that we understand in our own ability, but if we are, if we're vertical, we go after God and we allow God to be the one that does things in our lives. And what I need to do right now, I'm going to tell you, God's got to do the work that we're about to enter into. I don't have the ability. I don't think anybody in here does, only God. That's what we'll tackle. That's what we'll go for. We'll allow the Holy Spirit to do some ministry time. I'd like you... Treat this time with these two things. Make this a holy time and make this a personal time. Make it holy by allowing this to be something that you recognize God is moving in and don't do anything to disrupt it, interrupt it. Draw attention to yourself. Even have conversation. If you go, man, I just don't feel anything or sense anything in this, then I would tell you rather than talk to people, take it out in the foyer so you can allow it to be a holy moment for other people who do hear God. Make it a personal moment that when we bow our heads and I give people an opportunity to respond, it's not for you to be looking around trying to figure out what does God need to deliver that person from. It's not your business. It's not, it's not for you. It's for God and that person. And I would just say to you, if you'll make it personal, you allow so many people to feel comfortable in being able to respond. So make it holy and make it personal. Let's just pray. Father, just invite your presence. I believe that you're here.
I believe, God, that you're already blessing this. I believe, Father, that you're saying yes to this and that you're ready to move into this. God, I don't think we're ever inviting you to do something that we come to the conclusion first. I think that when we come to the conclusion, it's because you are already ahead of us inviting us into it. I think that the idea of deliverance is not my idea or anybody else's idea. It's your idea. It's what you want to do. You want to set people free tonight. Lord, rather than call out the things that I think of in my head that we need to be set free from, I just invite you right now, speak, Lord, very broadly. Speak very personally. Speak very directly to the hearts of everyone who hears this message, whether they hear me live or whether they hear it via video or a CD, whether they hear it today or whether they hear it a month from now. God, whenever they hear it, make it applicable right now. Church, here's what I said, that some of you, as I'm teaching the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you about it. It'll become so personal that you may not even hear me anymore. You'll be thinking about an area in your life that God wants to touch. A place that God needs to bring his power to. A place that you need to bow your knee to with him. Just invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to settle here. To settle on you. To speak to you. Maybe it's a stronghold of the mind, of the heart. Maybe it's a physical stronghold. Jesus never categorized our strongholds by saying, I'll deliver you from this kind of a stronghold. He's a deliverer. Whatever comes to take us captive, God can set us free. I want you to listen to me. Your head's bowed, your eyes are closed. Make it a personal moment. Listen to me. I don't believe that when I ask you to raise your hand that there's something supernatural in raising your hand. I think that there's something supernatural when you exercise faith and ask God to touch your life. So when I ask you to raise your hand, here's what I'm really saying to you. Do you have faith to believe that God is able. Do you need God? Did what I say appeal to you and you go, Pastor, if God would do that for me, I would say yes. That's why I ask at times for someone to raise their hand. It's just a place of faith. It's a place where you surrender, submit, or believe. So let's just keep it at that level. If you identify, recognize 
there's a stronghold. Not a struggle, a stronghold. There's an area where the enemy's just been successful. Where he's operated from, where he's, he's had the control of. And you just say, Pastor, I need God to deliver me. Remember me when you pray, John. I want that thing torn down. I want God to be in control. However, you need to say it tonight. If you just go, Pastor John, pray for me. I want the stronghold torn down. I see it. I, I'm done with it. Need God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right now? Just use it as a place of faith. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing. Just amazing. I want you to keep your hand there for a minute. So while I'm praying even, if you just go, I need in on that prayer. It's never too late. It's never too late. Never too late. It's just a place of faith. Just, hey, I'm connecting with God right here. Okay. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over that stronghold. In the only name under heaven that brings the dead back to life, that stops the demonic in their tracks, that name that all authority can be exercised through, it's in that name right now that we tear down the stronghold. It is not in our authority, our ability, our energy. It's with the power of God. Jesus said it this way, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's with that that we tear this down right now. It's there that we take authority over this thing. We ask that the Holy Spirit would fill any void, any place that the enemy is forced to let go of. We ask immediately that the Holy Spirit fill that place and that God give you wisdom to recognize that area must be submitted to God. That area must be guarded. That area must be kept. I ask that you recognize right now that deliverance is as normal and as natural as us breathing. God is a deliverer. He came to set us free. Whom the Son sets free is free. It was for freedom that He set us free. You're free. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, everything that rises up has to bow the knee right now. Those areas out of control. Maybe a better way to say it is those areas that have been under the control of the enemy must surrender. We ask that the Lord build the house there. The Lord take control. That the Lord have all authority. Pray that the Lord sweeps it clean, puts it in order, and fills right now. May he fill you. Just fill you up. May you recognize to be filled by the Holy Spirit is daily, not at a church service. It's moment by moment with God. May he fill you, keep you, watch over you. So while you're praying, 
I would just say that at all of our campuses, we put the crosses up in our sanctuary. At those crosses, we put the notepad, the pen, the push pens. We invite people when there are things that you want to just reinforce as this has been nailed to the cross. We invite people to use our crosses for those purposes. Altars are places of surrender. While there's no power in a, in a piece of wood or carpet, there's great power in the symbolism and in the reality of surrender and of giving things to God, committing things to Him. And I just, as our worship teams come to lead us into a time of worship, man, I invite you let this be a holy time. Worship is warfare. Many times when Israel would go into battle, God's commandment was, worship me. Send the worshipers out front. And while Israel would worship, God would fight the battle and rout the enemy. Here's what I would pray over you tonight, that rather than you getting hyped up thinking you're going to take on some battle, here's what I would encourage you to do. Worship God tonight and allow Him to deal with the enemy. Allow His power to exercise over your life. You worship. Father, we just invite you to close this out the way that you want to. Reinforce this, Father. You find us, God, ready ready. Say yes to you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I invite you to go ahead and stand right now as we worship. Let it be a place of warfare. Use our crosses. Use our altar. Use this time just to connect with God. Allow him to speak to you about this.